Well, good morning, church. It's good to see everybody here today. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. <clears throat> We're going to be in Matthew chapter 10 today. Matthew 10. Um, actually, we're going to begin in uh, chapter 9, verse 35. And the title of the message today is called Working in the Harvest. Working in the Harvest. The scripture reads, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And he called him his and he called to him his twelve disciples, and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out, and to heal every disease and every affliction. The names of the twelve apostles are these. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Then Jesus sent out, these twelve Jesus sent out, instructing them, go nowhere among the Gentiles, and enter no towns of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, And proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You receive without pay, give without pay. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts. No bag for your journey, or two tunics or sandals, or a staff for the laborer, or a staff for the laborer deserves his food. And whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it, and stay there until you depart. <coughs> As you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading and the proclamation of His Word. One of the last things Jesus told His followers is what we call the Great Commission. The followers were gathered in Galilee, uh, probably a group of about 500, the Scripture tells us later in the book of 1 Corinthians. And, uh, And Jesus said this to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This great commission is the very marching orders of the church, and it's to be taken seriously by Christians of every generation until Jesus returns. Every Christian is to go and seek and, uh, and seek to make disciples of all nations. That going, that taking the gospel might be to family or relatives or or uh, or friends or co-workers or neighbors whom God places near you in your sphere of influence. But it also might include the call to leave where you are and go somewhere else, whether it's the next town 
or the next state or the next nation or to some unknown place or people group in the world that need to hear that Jesus saves. You might say, well, I I let preachers do that or I let missionaries do that. Or I'm an introvert and I'll let the extroverts do that. But I want to tell you that's not going to fly. That's, that's That's not an excuse. Others might be better at sharing the gospel. Many people are much better at sharing the gospel than your pastor is. But that does not decommission me, and it doesn't decommission you from seeking to carry out the Great Commission, to seeking to share the love of Jesus with those in your world of influence. Each of us needs to seek to find out how we can, uh, how we can do our part to carry out the call to make disciples. And so the question today is, are you seeking to take the gospel where God has placed you? Are you seeking to take the gospel where God has placed you? Now we read in Matthew 9 and 10 uh, about the first time Jesus sent any of his followers out to share the message. He had gone out himself, he had preached, but now came the time that he was going to send his apostles out uh, two by two to, uh, to, to do the things that he had been doing among them. To preach the gospel and heal the sick and... Uh, and uh, free people from the power of, of the enemy, of, uh, of demons. Uh, they were to tell people to turn from their sins, and he gave them power and authority to see all kinds of wonderful, miraculous things happen. And from this passage of Scripture, as we read, we see this timeless truth, that Jesus calls, Jesus calls his children to be on mission with him in spreading the good news of the gospel. Jesus calls his children of every generation to be on mission with him in spreading the good news of the gospel. Now, there were some things that were true of that first call, and they're also true of his call to all of us today. First of all, uh, notice the urgency of the call. Notice the urgency of the call. Now, in chapter uh, 35, uh, chapter 9, verses 35 through 38, it's kind of a, you see these kind of summary statements in the book of Matthew. And it, so it kind of closes out this section of Jesus' miracle working power, the miracles that he'd done, but it also introduces us to the next section uh, where he's sending his uh, uh, disciples uh, to be on mission with him. Now, Jesus was going through the cities and villages. He was proclaiming the gospel, and he was healing diseases and affliction and setting people free from uh, demons. And it says, as he saw the crowd, he had compassion on them. He had compassion on them. Uh, compassion, that, that, that word, has the idea that Jesus was deeply, deeply moved by what he uh, what he saw as the state of the people that he saw. He was deeply moved. And, and it has the idea, it's, it's blankness, that's kind of the way you say it. But, it. but the Jewish people thought the seat of emotions was not kind of the heart, but kind of the stomach and the intestines and the guts. Um, and so, so to have compassion is to feel it in your guts, basically, is what it's saying. And, and all of us know that when life is stressful and hard or something's really bothering us, it, it can give you actual stomach aches. It actually can feel that way. And that's where they saw the seed of emotions. And so when it says he had compassion, he, Jesus felt it in his very inner person. 
uh, the word almost, the word compassion, the word, the Greek word used here is almost always exclusively used of the concern that God the Father has for the lost and God the Son has for the lost. It's, it's as Jesus was saying, Jesus uh, was moved in his guts because he saw the terrible state of the people, of, of the broken and hurting and lost humanity. Uh, it says the people were harassed and helpless. Uh, the picture of these words has the idea they were mangled as if by wild beasts. They were mangled as if by wild beasts. They were laying on the ground. It's, it's like you see a drunk person on the ground or a person that's mortally wounded. They were laying there on the ground, deeply uh, uh, mangled and, uh, and ruined like sheep without a shepherd. Like a wolf had, had uh, just torn uh, a, a sheep uh, apart. Uh, Jesus said that's what it was like to see uh, the crowds. That's what he felt when he saw the crowds. Um, they were like sheep without a shepherd. Now, who was supposed to shepherd these people? It was supposed to be the religious leaders of the day. They should have been helping them to walk with God and guarding and protecting them. But instead, they left them defenseless and ruined. See, the religious leaders who should have helped were not helping. You know, religious leaders of Jesus' day and of our day uh, can help people walk with God. Or they can hinder them from walking with God if they don't hold true to God's word and they don't they proclaim a different Jesus than the one the scripture uh, proclaims, the one who came to save us from our sins. Uh, Jesus felt the pain of the people in his guts. And the question is, do we? Do we see the ruin of people all around us, the hopelessness and helplessness the pain and the agony, the despair that is in them and many times on their faces, does it move us like it moved Jesus? Does this despair move us to action or, or are we blind to it? You know, I, I, uh, I had a friend who mentioned uh, a nephew on Facebook that had gone missing a few weeks ago. And, um, and then after a long search... Uh, the police found some footage of him jumping off a bridge. Um, you know, we, we, we know people like Robin Williams. You know, we, I wonder, do people see the hurt that is all around them? And most times people that are suicidal, they give certain hints, but a lot of times because we're not tuned in, we, we miss the pain that people are going through, don't we? Have you ever had someone close to you uh, in their life, you know, and you think, why didn't I see it? How could I have not have known the despair they're going through? Robin Williams, you know, the comedian, you know, his friends would say of him, he was always happy. Everyone adored him. But evidently he wasn't always happy, was he? A couple years ago, Kate Spade uh, died. And right before she died, an hour before, she talked to her dad. And her dad said, I just talked to her an hour before, and she's planning a trip. She was like her brand, happy, cheerful, and full of color. Anthony Bourdain, the, the guy who went around and, and to the world on CNN, his, his best friend said he loved his life and had the extraordinary, extraordinary ability to connect with people. Behind the laughter and the smiles, do you see the despair 
that truly is all around us. You see, the call's urgent. The call is urgent because people all around us are mangled and ruined, and can we see it? Now, all of us have to acknowledge we don't see it like we should, do we? We don't see it like we should. And so Jesus gave us something to pray for. He told his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. There are plenty of hurting people out there that, that, that need the hope of the gospel. But the laborers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers uh, in, into his harvest. Pray. So we are to pray that, that the Lord would send out workers into his harvest. Now, we pray that the Lord would send out workers. And as we pray, I think our compassion deepens for people who are hurting and wounded and mangled. Uh, we, as we pray for the Lord to send people out, we begin to care about those. We begin to see those needs. Uh, and, and we begin to pray that, there will be, that those needs will be met. And as we pray for the Lord of the harvest to thrust out workers, I think our love uh, for people who are hurting increases. Um, and so we pray the Lord would send out, would thrust out workers. It's a dangerous prayer, it's, I just, isn't it? Because if you pray the Lord would send out harvesters, you have to be willing for Him to send you out. You have to be willing for Him to send you out. And it's an interesting word, though. It's, it's uh, pray the Lord would send out. It's almost like push out. You know, I get the feeling of, uh, you know, it's kind of like a mother bird who's teaching her baby bird to fly. What do they do? They kick the, kick the baby bird out of the nest, right? That's how they teach their, their babies to fly. The Lord sometimes has to thrust us out, to push us out, to, to force us to lose our complacency and reach out to hurting people, and reach out not only that we, but that he will send out workers uh, to the fields that are wide in the harvest. Notice the urgency of the call. Secondly, notice the authority of the call. Notice the authority of the call. Immediately after Jesus tells his followers to pray that the Lord of the harvest thrust out workers, he sends his apostles out. You know, the, the chapter connections we have in our Bible were not there originally. You know, when Matthew was writing his gospel, he didn't write 10 and put verse 1 there. He just continually wrote. So, so it goes together. As, as people prayed to, uh, as the apostles were to pray, the Lord would send out workers into his harvest. Jesus sends his apostles out. Uh, Jesus gave them authority over unclean spirits. Uh, to cast them out, he gave them authority to heal diseases and afflictions. They were to proclaim the kingdom of God was at hand. And basically, they were to do the things that Jesus had been doing among them. They were to do the things that, that they'd seen Jesus to do. But the time for observation was over and the time for action was upon them. Jesus sends them out. Now notice, they're not sent out in singles. Notice how, it, 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 as it lists the, the twelve apostles, it lists them in pairs. And we know from the other Gospels that the Lord sent them out two by two. It, it lists Peter and Andrew, who were brothers. James and John, who were brothers. Philip and Bartholomew, they were a pair. Thomas and Matthew was a pair. 
James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus were a pair. Simon and Judas Iscariot were a pair. Jesus sent them out in pairs because the carrying of the gospel to the world is really something we have to do together as God's people. <coughs> we do it together. Uh, God never intended for his people to, to uh, serve him and live for him in isolation. Um, Jesus doesn't send them out also powerless. He sends them out equipped with power and authority to do the work. He gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal diseases and every affliction. As he sent them, he gave them authority. Now, you've got to realize, sometimes we want the power to come before the mission. But many times the Lord provides the power we need to do what he's called us to do as we do it. You know, sometimes we, we uh, pray for boldness and then we, in, in sharing the gospel, and then we think, well, I'm never going to be scared again. No. You know, the truth, is, the truth of the matter is, in my life at least, almost every time I share the gospel, I'm afraid right before I share it. But as I begin to share, the Lord increases my boldness and enables me to share more clearly and better. The apostles were going to be empowered as they were sent out. As we obey God, we will receive the power. Now, yes, we should seek every single day to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We should seek every day to yield ourselves to Him. But we got to realize that, that as you obey the Lord, the power comes. It's not like you're going to be given power before you need it. Um, and so He sends them out. Now, now this is kind of on-the-job training, isn't it? He sends them out. He tells them what to do. They've seen him do it. Now they've got to do it. Uh, and I think a lot of times that's kind of where we, we don't do well in our, in our uh, discipling people. We do a lot of teaching, a lot of classroom teaching and lecturing and Bible studies, but sometimes we've got to go and do something. We've got to try something. And sometimes it's going to work and sometimes it's not going to work. But we, you still learn by doing. You still learn by doing. You, you learn to follow Jesus as you follow him. You don't learn to be a plumber by reading about it. Now, we're, we live in a blessed world. You can actually watch YouTubes on how to fix things. And I've watched YouTubes on how to fix things like a dryer. I am not a handy person. But, but I've actually fixed a couple things because I watched the YouTube. But I didn't watch them because I, I didn't fix them because I watched the guy on YouTube fix it. I fixed it because I watched him, I pushed it on pause, I did what he, what he did. And I learned how to do things. You don't become an expert carpenter by watching renovation videos. You've got to renovate something. Believers join with Jesus in carrying out the, the Great Commission. is uh, you, you learn by doing it. It's kind of like being a parent. If you wait until you're qualified to be a parent... You're never going to be qualified to be a parent. Actually, most of us aren't even qualified to be a parent until our kids are out of the house. That's when we kind of have figured it out. We wish we'd have learned this on our first kid. Everybody feels sorry for the firstborn because they get, they get the bad stuff. But anyway, uh, you, know, the, the, you know, that's an exaggeration. You know, though. But, uh, but the truth is we learn, we learn to parent by parenting. We learn to follow Jesus by following him. Jesus thrust him out and he gave him a job and he said, do something. Sometimes, you know, you know, you might be asked to do something to serve the church, teach a class or something else. And you think, I just don't know if I can do that. 
Sometimes you've got to give it a shot. Now, I want to apologize to those of you, because Baptists are bad about giving people a job and then them having it till Jesus comes. Okay, that's not the way it should be. And I hope we don't do that around here. But, but the truth is, sometimes you don't know if you're good at something until you, until you try it, right? And you, you might learn, I shouldn't be doing this. Somebody else needs to be doing it. And that's okay. But, but sometimes you step out on faith and you say, I'm going to try it and see if that's maybe how God wants to use me in, special, in a special way. You see, we learn by doing as believers. And Jesus gives us authority. Jesus gave his apostles specific authority to cast out demons, to heal the sick, and to proclaim the, new, the good news. And basically, that's kind of what we do. Now, we don't have the authority of an apostle. I don't think Jesus gave this authority to all believers of all time. Uh, but I do believe we do the same thing that Jesus did. We do, we do preach the good news. We do bring his healing. Uh, not in the same sense the apostles did, but we bring his healing. And sometimes we do see miraculous things happen as God's people pray and work together. Sometimes you see God's work in miraculous ways and deliver people in miraculous ways. And whenever the gospel's gone out, there are doctors and hospitals are present. And, my, and many of the hospitals in our world were started by believers somewhere. People are freed from the power of Satan. And so we do the things that Jesus called us to do because Jesus as he calls, he gives us the authority and power to do the specific things that he called us to do. Notice the authority of the call. Third, notice the strategy and instruction of the call. Notice the, notice the strategy and instruction of the call. There it goes. Jesus gave them instructions on how to carry out the call. He told them some things to do and some things not to do. He told them, don't go among the Gentiles or the Samaritans, but only the lost sheep of Israel. Now, that kind of offends us in our all-inclusive world. But why does Jesus tell them that? Well, does, does Jesus not care about the Samaritans and the Gentiles? Of course he does. Of course he does. But you can't reach everybody till you start reaching somebody. You know, if, you're, if your mission is to take the gospel to all the world... Well, the world's a pretty big place. I can't quite figure the world out. And so the Lord gives them a target. He says, start with the Jews. In fact, the scripture says the Jews are, were to be evangelized first. The apostle Paul wrote, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. First for the Jew, then for the Gentile. And, and he tells us that, he tells us that they were first to take the gospel uh, to the Jewish people, to the Jewish nation. And then as we see in the book of Acts, they, they continued to expand that. They took it to the Samaritans and they took it to the ends of the earth. Um, so, you know, we have, to, we have to kind of figure out a target. Yes, we are sent as East Madison Baptist Church to the entire world, but we live in Madison, Wisconsin. That's where God has placed us. We have to go where we are in sharing the gospel. Someone asked, if you don't care about the people next door, how can you care about the people around the world? Jesus then told them to proclaim that the kingdom of heaven was at hand. The same message that he and John proclaimed. And Jesus uh, gave them the authority and he gave them a strategy to do what they needed to do. Jesus was saying, do what you have seen me doing. Now then Jesus said, there's some things you're not to do. 
you're not to charge for what you do. Give freely to others uh, what you have received from me. Don't accept pay. Now, he's not telling the church of all times, don't pay your pastors or don't tell your ministers. But he is saying, don't be like salespeople who, who, uh, who are working on commission. You don't want people you share the gospel with to share it with them just because uh, there's something in it for you. Don't accept pay. Uh, don't acquire gold. Or and it's and the verb is it's not that they weren't to have anything to take with them, basically, but it was don't acquire it on the trip. Don't accept from the world what uh, you shouldn't accept from the world. You see, I think the church support those who do the work of the church. And in fact, you know, the truth is, it's even even as you even as you give money to me that I can live on. It's not. It's money that frees me up to do what God's called me to do. Uh, that that allows me to do what God called me to do. And if I do what I need, uh, what I do just because of what you pay me, there's something wrong with Bob Ray's heart. Very definitely, he said, "Don't acquire gold. Don't take a bag to put in gifts because you are not to receive pay for the things you bring. Don't take an extra coat or sandals." Or staff, don't let it be seen in any way that you're serving me and sharing my gospel for what's in it for you. You know, sometimes that's why when when I share people the gospel with people, it doesn't make a big as impact as when you share it with people. Because people always look at me and they'll always say, Well, that he's a preacher, that's what he's supposed to do. That is what I'm supposed to do. But when you share it, no one's giving, no one's, no one's helping you pay your light bill. It makes an impact. Don't let it be seen in any way that you're serving God to share his gospel. And we all see the ruin. We all see these televangelists and, you know, they're, they're, they're rich. They're living in million dollar mansions and it just doesn't make sense. It's just not the way it's supposed to be, right? Don't serve the Lord for what's in it for you, financial gain. Jesus did tell them that they're going to be provided what they need. You're going to be provided a place to stay. If you go into a, into a town, someone offers you a place to stay, stay with them. If they offer to feed you, stay with them until you depart. You're not, you don't have to bring extra money, and you're not there to make money, but, but I'm going to provide for you on the way. The things that you needed will be provided for you. You know, one of the truths that everybody that serves the Lord basically needs to learn is that if God calls you to do something, He will provide for you what you need to do it. What you need to do it. Sometimes we don't know how God's going to provide for us. We, we, we just have to simply go and watch Him take care of us and watch Him uh, move as we serve Him as we do what He called us to do. God tests us sometimes and see if we will trust Him. And He wants you to go sometimes without the slightest idea of how the work will go. Some of you have gone on faith, faith kind of missions. I know Grace has. You know, you think, I need so much money to go. And when you start out, you have no idea you don't have that money. You don't know how you're going to do it, but God provides for you to do it. Early on, as we follow Jesus, sometimes he teaches us to walk by faith and not by sight. When I was in seminary, you take all these classes that tell you how to be a good pastor, a preacher. One of the classes I, I took was 
they, they, they lay out this elaborate thing, the kind of salary that I would have to have before I should be a pastor. Well, you know, there was not one place that I went to probably in the first 20 years of my ministry that could pay me the kind of salary that they said I needed to get. Not one place. And I've told you the story about my dad. My first church was a church start. And they said, we can pay you $1,200 a month. And my dad, is one, he was a godly man. He wanted me to do what God wanted me to do. But basically, he told me the truth. And he says, you can't live on that. And I couldn't live on that. And, but I still went. And God provided for me while we were there. God provided for me while we were there. You see, sometimes you've got to step on on faith. You've got to say, I, I know God's calling me to do this. And... And I'm going to do it, and I'm going to trust that he's going to provide. Uh, if God leads, God provides. And then Jesus, they, they did target the outreach. Uh, they did seek to reach the Jews. Who should we seek to reach as East Madison? Uh, who is God seeming to bring to us? You know, at a prayer meeting a couple uh, weeks ago, Damon, as we prayed, he says, you know, Sometimes I wonder if it's kind of, uh, God doesn't seem to be bringing us families with tons of children. Sometimes he's bringing us a lot of single people. Single people that maybe don't want to be a part of a singles group and, you know, in a big church. But maybe they want to be a part of a singles group in a, in a church that has kind of a family atmosphere, that has families that they can be a part of that. And I thought, that kind of makes sense. Maybe, maybe that's who... who uh, who we should think about reaching. You know, God got me thinking through what uh, Damon said to me. I don't know, you know. The truth is, I am not the most strategic person in the world. I need you to help me to be strategic so that we will think about who does God specifically want us to reach as East Madison. Who are the people in your life that God specifically wants to use you to bear witness uh, to the gospel? Notice the strategy and instruction of the call. And finally, notice the informed call. Now, Jesus didn't deceive the apostles, uh, or he doesn't deceive us about the mission. Jesus didn't say, you're going to go, and people are going to welcome you, and it's going to be a big party, and you're going to win the world for Jesus. He didn't say that. Sometimes you're going to go, and they don't want you at all. Sometimes you're going to go, and at first they, they will receive you. But then, after they hear what, you, what you're telling them, they're going to reject you. They're not going to embrace the message. Uh, Jesus says you're going to offer them peace. And sometimes they'll accept that peace, and sometimes they won't accept that peace. It will come back to you. Jesus did not give them the idea that it's going to be easy. That they're always going to be loved. They're always going to be accepted. Uh, Jesus told them that they're going to be rejected. That's part of the gospel. That's part of the gospel. Not everybody's going to believe. Um, and Jesus said, if you reject, if they reject you, they've rejected me. And if they reject you, don't keep trying if people reject move on to the next place move on to the next person now i don't think we should give up on people but i also think sometimes you know you said all you can say what else can you do you know 
And and sometimes the Lord, you'll move on from somebody and then the Lord will move in their life and you get another chance. But the truth of the matter is we beat ourselves up, don't we? If that person that I love, if that person that I'm sharing with doesn't become a Christian, well, it's, you know, it's my fault. I, I didn't share well enough. I, I didn't witness good enough. I said the wrong things when I shared the gospel. You know, we need to get over that. Yes, we don't always do the right thing. We don't always witness the right way. Sometimes we might be abrasive in our witness or sometimes we might need to be a little more bold. But I want to tell you, hearing the gospel from you and and if if you are the least effective person to share it, if, if you don't know what you're doing, is better than not hearing it at all. Someone said, where are you going to drive them to? Hell number two? You know? We, we need to share the gospel, but we need to, we need to move on. We need, we need to move on and share the peace of Jesus. You know, when you offer the peace of Jesus, people can accept it or reject it. If they reject it, you, you've done what you can. You know, Jesus talked about wiping the dust off your feet, and that's kind of a final warning to the community. It's also a closure to you who you have shared the gospel, you've proclaimed the message, you've offered them the peace of Jesus. And they've rejected it. Now, it's no fun being rejected. It's especially no fun when people reject the gospel. I remember as a young person, they'd always say, you know, if, if you witness to someone and, and uh, you know, they reject you, you know, uh, don't take it personal. They're rejecting, they're rejecting Jesus and not you. Well, you know, I thought about that a lot. Who cares if they reject me? Rejecting Jesus is pretty dangerous. It's pretty, it's pretty, why would you do that? And so that doesn't really help me. But it does help me to know that you can only do what, I can only do what I can do, and sometimes you've got to move on. If you reject the message of peace that Jesus offers you, man. In fact, Jesus said, I say to you, it will be more bearable on that day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah for that town, for those towns that didn't embrace the message of the gospel. To reject Jesus offers forgiveness and life is worse than the open immorality of Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, sometimes we forget that, you know, the worst sin of all is to reject the peace that God offers you through Jesus Christ. That's the very worst thing in life that you can do. That's really the only thing that you can do that can't ultimately be forgiven. That's difficult to say, but it's true. Uh, John Ryle wrote, Men are apt to forget that it does not require great open sins in order to ruin a soul forever. You only have to hear without believing, listen without repenting, go to church without going to Christ. So we need to keep sharing. There will be some that embrace what you, what you preach. The Holy Spirit will work in their life. There will be others who won't. But we need to be on mission with Jesus. We need to be on mission with Jesus. We can't evaluate a success in carrying out the Great Commission on the acceptance of others. Sometimes you will plant and others will, will reap. Uh, we we just got to keep on being faithful. Uh, we got to keep on being faithful. Yes, evaluate how you do things. Try to do them better, but don't over-evaluate. 
you know, keep on being faithful in the mission of taking the gospel to those around you. Notice the informed call. Are you seeking to take the gospel to the places where God has called you? This call is urgent. There are, no, there are those who need your witness, and they need it now. The call to take the gospel comes with authority and power to take that gospel. As we seek to be controlled by God's Holy Spirit, uh, God will use us in taking the gospel to the worlds that He's placed us in. Maybe we need to plan on how we are sharing the gospel. You know, there have been a lot of times that I've written letters to people. I've written letters. I've sent long private Facebook messages to people that I felt like I needed to share the gospel with. You know, find a way that works for you. Uh, Work with others who help you. Maybe you say, I just don't think I can do that. Well, team up with somebody else. Uh, and, And go together and you pray and they share. You know, work as the team like Jesus sent them out. You see, God calls us to be on mission with Him in spreading the good news. And we need to seek to take the gospel to wherever God has called us. Don't ever think the Great Commission is just for preachers. The Great Commission is just for the apostles. The Great Commission is for everybody who names the name of Jesus. You know, this year there's kind of an emphasis in in the convention... And uh, North American Mission Board is just emphasizing a thing called Who's Your One? And it's basically trying to get, you know, there's, there's, I don't know how many members. Some people say 15 million and some people say only about 7 million of them ever enter the door of any church in the Southern Baptist Convention. And that's true. But think about most people, they don't share the gospel even one time in their life. Now, something's not right there. And so the emphasis this year is to think, who is the one person that I can pray for, that I can love, that I can try to speak the gospel to? Who's your one? Now, yeah, you probably are supposed to be a witness to more than one, but start out with one. Who's your one? Who's the one person God wants to use you in their lives to speak the gospel to? Who's your one? Think of that person. Ask God to give you some specific person that you can bear witness to in the coming days that Jesus saves. Father, I I pray for myself, even as I preach about Sharing the gospel, I know. I don't do it like I should. Lord, I become fearful and I become self-absorbed. God, forgive me. Help me to be on mission with you in taking the gospel to those places that you place me in day by day and week by week. Father, help us as your people to care about those who are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Father, help us, give us a special insight when we come into contact with someone, whether we see them continually or whether we just see them uh, every once in a while, Lord, when they are hurting, when they are helpless, when they, 
They are desperate. Help us to see that despair in their hearts, in their lives. Help us to have a special sense that that they need the love of Jesus especially. Lord, just help us to be on mission with you in taking your gospel to the ends of the earth. Let us be like those first apostles, Lord, who, who went out, even though, Lord, it was their first time, even though they might not have been very good at it, Lord, they sought to obey you and you blessed them. May that be true in the lives of the people of East Madison. In Jesus' name, amen.